pandemonium reigns. What's up, family and friends? Hoping that these uh, beautiful voices find you well, that your ears uh, are thine tickled. Tickled? <laughs> tickled? I don't know. I've uh, been doing a lot of Bible preparation study today, getting ready for Sunday, and I just went full King James on everybody. <clears throat> Tickled <So>, thine ears. <laughs> Tickled thine ears. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us wherever you are. Uh, all jokes aside, uh, you guys, crazy enough, you're subscribing, you're liking videos, and we're going to ask that you do it again on this one. Uh, if you love us, <clears throat> do it. Um, otherwise, get off our podcast. I'm just kidding. 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 <laughs> love you guys. I love you guys. Hey, we're going to jump right into things on this Orange cast. We're going to talk Tennessee, South Carolina. We're probably going to talk some Shane Beamer. We're probably going to talk some offense coordinator Satterfield down there in Columbia. We're going to talk Orange Helmets, right? Yes, yes. But Mike drops a bomb on me before we uh, go live on this recording, and it, it's um, it's a bomb worth talking about. So we're going to lead off today's episode with that. So, Michael, softball pitch that thing. <clears throat> All right. Just to just to tell y'all where I was at, had the day off, played nine holes of golf, had some wonderful Mexican food for lunch. And, you know, I'm thinking we're just going to have a, a casual preview of the weekend's actions and uh, our beloved Vols traveling to Columbia, South Carolina. And I checked one of my group texts, and here lies a tweet from Mark Ryan, uh, who looks like he is with the Fan Upstate and CBS Sports Radio. And this tweet says... SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey says the league is looking at going to a single division and is leaning heavily in that direction, moving away from two divisions and no four-team pod system. So no um, timeline on this, I'd assume, because, you know, it's the SEC. They can kind of do as they want. Um, doesn't really matter timing-wise. They could do this probably next year if they really wanted to. I mean, if they really just put their heads down to it, they could do that. But, yeah, I mean, that that basically wrecked my day because thinking about it for this year, that would mean three match – a potential – Tennessee would have to win the second matchup to, to get there. But it would mean a potential third game with Georgia. Mm-hmm. It could mean you're playing Alabama three times in a year. If you – if you you know, if it fell that way, it could mean three rounds of Georgia and Bama, which would just be terrible for us. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, how bonkers is that news? I mean, you just said it, and that's what I was going to get at, that – that would mean Tennessee's in Atlanta. Yeah. Which which could could possibly not bode well. Uh, you know, if we lose that game, could potentially knock yeah. us out of the of the playoffs. Um sitting pretty pretty right now at that five seed behind uh the horned frogs. Uh, still like our chances to get in, but man, that is going to create um, some chaos in this yeah. in this conference, and I think uh, this year is a good example of the potential that the that the pandemonium that it could potentially uh, create in in yeah. the years coming. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm actually a fan of it. Uh, yes. I, I don't know what that's going to look like for schedules. <clears throat> like, do we still play an East schedule? Yeah. Uh, but the conference championship is the top two teams, regardless of how you finish. Like, what 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 is that? How does that affect our schedule? Are we yeah. going to potentially see with uh, an adoption of <clears throat> Texas and Oklahoma? Are we going to see a uh, Tennessee Auburn game more often? Yeah. You know, I mean, how is this going to affect the schedule? Is my biggest question. But outside of that. 
man, I'm for it. I think you put yeah. the best two teams uh, in in the conference, or yeah, in the in the conference championship game, and you do away with this um, record inside of the division. You know, kind yeah. of non nonsense because, uh, and I'm sure I'm sure teams in the West are like, oh God, thank you, finally, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. After, after the years of the dominance that the West has done, and <clears throat> of course now the East is back, and they're probably going well. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who you knows? know, what's interesting is if, <clears throat> if the playoff was going to stay at four, it might not mean a bunch of, you know, third potential matchups with a Georgia and Alabama or Tennessee and one of those teams, because, you know, if, if somebody takes two losses in those first two matchups, they're probably not getting in with four ever. Yeah. But with 12, <clears throat> I mean, you're just, you're going to be, and, and I think if it was going to stay at four or maybe even six, I think the national media would love that you know, only one SEC team is probably realistically going to be in maybe uh-huh. another mm-hmm. if that third team going forward is close there towards the top and yeah. it just comes down to a tiebreaker of, a, you know, who won in the regular season. Sure. But, you know, just again, going to 12 teams, I mean, this is only going to open up more for the mm-hmm. SEC, I think. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just the, all those things come flashing back into my mind, like you mentioned with schedules. You know, will Tennessee and Georgia be an annual matchup? Will – traditional sec east teams and west teams play each other more than um you know other teams inside the conference when will nine games be a reality for the sec i think that's going to be coming soon as well um i'm surprised you know and maybe that's something that comes later today but if they're going to talk about divisions in the conference i'm surprised that they weren't talking about nine games instead of eight conference games as well uh just personally yeah i I mean this could really if, if if you have all your major conferences go to this format where they take the best two teams in the conference as opposed to the winners of the division. I'm wondering how that might and and can and could affect playoff seats or, yeah. or, ju- or just playoff position. I mean, because essentially if you, if you do it that way where you take the top two teams out of the conference as opposed to the division, because in this in this case in the SEC, it's it's a really good example. LSU is not the second best team in the conference according to record, right? It, yeah. It's, it's it's us. It's Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you take that and you put Georgia and Tennessee uh, in it, you could basically just take the winner of of each of these games and say, all right, now you're in the playoff, and it's yep. uh, it seems like an easy solution. Whereas if you do it now under this current format, I mean. LSU wins and, you know, and, and they get in, which is still possibly the case for them to do sure. that, uh, this season, which uh, let's just segue there for a second. Yeah. How do we, how do we feel about Tennessee getting into the playoff? If, if LSU pulls a heck of an upset in Atlanta. That I don't think that bodes well for Tennessee because, because it actually, I think to me, it affects Tennessee twofold instead of just, more chaos at the top in that Georgia is going to fall down. Mm-hmm. Probably you would think to four, I would, I would say based on where they've been, but I, I just can't see a world until it happens where the conference champion in the sec, even with two losses, like LSU has been, especially with the way that they've won up until Arkansas last week, which is kind of a snoozer and, and they were lucky to pull that off. Mm-hmm. I just can't envision a world where even a two loss sec champion gets left out, especially with the wins that they have. But I think that if LSU pulls that upset, which I will never, I, you know, that again, I, that's something I would never predict or call for until it happened. Um, then I think that that bodes poorly for Tennessee in both directions, where LSU moves up and Georgia probably still gets in but moves down. Yeah, and Tennessee's yeah. out in that moment. I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
uh, chaos or oh, yeah. uh, also known as pandemonium. Right? Yes, sir. Well, hey, said. well, let's talk. Um, let's talk Tennessee, South Carolina on Saturday. Going to be in Columbia for a probably a ruckus environment, hostile sure. environment. Hopefully, that crowd becomes less hostile by middle of the second, which yeah. is very possible. But oh, before, yeah. before we get into game chatter, man, let's talk those sweet orange helmets and. Just, just tell the people, man, what you're, what you're thinking and feeling about that, because I, I have some uh, practical thoughts on this. I gotcha. My thought is that I would have preferred it against Vandy and with orange britches instead of a, um, you know, stormtrooper look underneath. But whew, those things are sweet, dude. When I saw those, they look better than I feel like the little mock-ups and things that I've ever seen and. Um, you know, you forget, I forget at least because of my memory, I forget that, you know, even though it's been a hundred years ago, Tennessee's worn that color before 1948. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or shades of it. You know what I mean? Um, just a beautiful look again. I would love it if it was the, that orange dome and then the clean white road, uh, uniform with the orange britches, but man, I'm still so, so good with it. Even with a stormtrooper look underneath, even being at South Carolina instead of at Vandy totally good with it think it looks wonderful and you know just to jump ahead a little bit i think it's absolutely hilarious to me and so ironic that it's milton joe milton that you see in a lot of these uh you know official game uniforms because i think you're going to see a lot of joe milton on saturday man i sure hope so uh that if we see a lot of joe milton either things are going extremely well or yeah. they or they have gone down a disaster so disaster road yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So my thought behind this, the reason we're doing it at South Carolina is just because of the talent pool that we're actually looking at in the state of South Carolina this year. That's a good point. Uh, one being um, Jalen Hyatt's little brother. Devin. And, mm -hmm. and they're potentially, I have heard that South Carolina has quite the recruiting uh, visit uh, for uh, Saturday night. And if we just come in and, and we look all purdy, it kind of feels – if that's what we're doing, you know, <laughs> it, then um, I, shame on us, I guess. I mean, for being <laughs> some, some Poor jerks. Sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just – I do think that you're going to have more eyes on this game than you will Tennessee Vanderbilt. <clears throat> Vanderbilt's yes. just not going to catch a lot of attention, whereas South Carolina, even though they're not much better in this moment, <laughs> yeah, uh, they'll, just, they'll, they'll just have more eyes on this game, which is why I think that we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, but – if we're talking recruiting and if we're talking, you know, new helmets and, and stuff like that, can we just go ahead and, and checker Vanderbilt Stadium? Yes, dude. <laughs> can we just I'm disappointed. And and you know, this this is where we really need to get this podcast out to a large, large section of all Twitter because I'm disappointed by these guys saying, Oh, it's Vandy's senior knot. Let's not do it to them on that knot, dude. They know who they are, they know who we are, we know who we are, and we know who they are. And listen, that's going to be an ugly game with, again, a lot more Joe Milton and second teamers. Mm -hmm. When have we ever cared if it's their senior night? We always, we've often played them this late in the season. It's often sure. been their senior night or ours. And listen, frankly, we've lost too many of those games in the past 10 years, like we mm -hmm. haven't done historically or over the yeah. last 50 years. So, man, go in there and do what you want with the place. Checker the place. Again, I would have loved, loved, loved for it to be the Orange Dome 
white jersey and the orange britches mm-hmm. over there, but just to checker it on and off the field. But it's totally fine. I hope we go ahead and check her bandy, though. That would be hilarious. Yes, yes. And in addition to all of those comments, here is to hoping that Jalen Hyatt finds the end zone in Columbia anywhere between eight to ten times. Yeah, dude, absolutely. He, <laughs> hey, everybody on the team. You know, this team seemingly has as much of that, like, small talk and trash talk, potential trash talk and bulletin board material. They pay attention to it low-key. Yeah, I think as much or more than any team we've ever wanted, you know, a Tennessee Vols team to do because, yeah. you know, Hendon Hooker was aware of it. I think the whole team's aware of it. And I, I just think if, if you know, unless South Carolina does something crazy, then he's going to absolutely go ham mm-hmm. over there where he grew up because he grew up so close to that stadium. Yeah, and I found out this week that South Carolina didn't even recruit him. Man, I didn't know. I, you know, I, I'd heard that they didn't recruit him that much. But I heard this week uh, from several, you know, just several things that I listened to weekly that they were talking about Will Muschamp telling him personally that he needs to go eat more peanut butter sandwiches and needs to put on a lot more weight. And I'm like, I, I, I just don't get it. You see, and yes, they may be taller than Jalen Hyde is, even though he's kind of a sneaky tall six foot or whatever he is, six one. You see s- small slot receivers all the time. Even if they're taller, they weigh 170 pounds soaking wet because there's blazers and they're tall and lanky, and it's like, what are you talking about, Muschamp? Like, dude, he could have changed your program, like, all the way around. Just mm, big mistake. Yeah. I mean, you have to – I mean, you know he's eating crow. It started eating crow after that Alabama game. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because, because if there's anybody who was going to challenge him, it's a, it's a Nick Saban secondary, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and and as LeBron James famously said one time, he found the end zone not one time, not two times, <laughs> not three times. <laughs> right, not yes, four. absolutely. Found it five times. So yeah. here's here's the hope, and he runs it up. And it's it's very possible. So let's go ahead and let's talk Tennessee offense versus a South Carolina defense. And I just want to throw some – some numbers out here because uh, <laughs> uh, if the stat sheet is any kind of indication South Carolina's in for it I mean they're they are gonna, big time and they're in just, for it they're just going to be in for it so South Carolina is 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 not good defensively <laughs> um, yeah they are allowing a, a whopping 192 uh, yards per game rushing they are allowing 194 passing. They are total yards per game. They're allowing 386. Now, I know that transitive property doesn't exist, right? It's it's not a thing. Yeah. But Missouri's defense is better than South Carolina's. Yes, they are. Probably down, in every category. Hands down, no question. Yeah. And we, and we just hung 724 yards. <laughs> yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I have to imagine that if I'm a Gamecock fan, that I have, I've, I've offered sacrifices to the gods, right? <laughs> I've, con- yeah. I've, I've considered my children, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm worshiping the poles and and all the things. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm finding, you know, local, you know, chicken farms, and um. I'm asking asking the chicken gods, you know, the rooster gods, you know, if they can help us out here, because the stat sheet 
and I understand that this game is not played on paper. I, I mean, right. I, I, I played it. It's, it's not played on paper. Mm-hmm. But we're we're I mean we're talking about game eleven right here. Yeah. And at this point, you know, teams can change. You know. Sure. Uh, our secondary, Tennessee has changed. I would argue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee's a, a great indicator how you can change. But it seems like South Carolina has been who they are since week one. It does. It does. And. That's not good. Well, it was fantastic for us, right? Sure. Fantastic for us. Just as bad to me, as bad of a matchup as you can dream up for the South Carolina team, I think. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they've kind of, like you said, they've kind of been who they are all year. And they've, you know, they've given, they gave Arkansas a game or, or closer of a game that I thought they would early in the year. And then Georgia just does exactly, exactly what I thought they would to them. And I was yeah. even surprised that they gave up points. And yeah. I actually remember the play where they gave up the points, and it was a young guy um, who pretty much took a beating, a verbal beating at least, after the play. Mm-hmm. But they've been who they are all mm-hmm. year. And, again, I just can't think of a worse matchup for them. If, if for no reason other than that 192 allowed rushing per game, Tennessee ran for two – well, I just looked at it, 246, 264, something like that. My dyslexia and my memory are both attacking me right now against Missouri. They ran the ball wild against Missouri, who was right. a much better statistical defense. Yeah. And when you contend the fact that Hooker's – I mean, I'm sorry, Hyatt's coming home, everyone's aware of it. Yeah. You know, we're playing for a playoff spot still, still going to be looking for style points. It just bodes so, so poorly in this moment before the game for South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So, so just to compare, Georgia is leading our conference in in points per game at a incredible eleven point six. Goodness gracious! That's what they're allowing. And then you've got an Alabama who's not what they have been, who's allowing eighteen. You got a, a you got a good Kentucky defense sitting at third, twenty points allowed per game. LSU twenty one, us twenty one, close to twenty two. Ole Miss, close to 22. Now, us, Ole Miss, even LSU as of late, that makes a little more sense because we're scoring points. We're putting our defense right back out on the field. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What, does, what doesn't make sense is A&M, who's also allowing 22. How bad, yeah, that doesn't. How, how bad they are. Mizzou makes sense at allowing 25, almost 26. Mississippi State makes sense allowing 26. South Carolina allowing 26 points per game. Now yeah. – <clears throat> If if Mizzou was allowing 25 points per game going into last week and we put up something above 60, yeah. what is it? What are, what are we realistically about to do to South Carolina? And I'm trying not to be egotistical here, but at the same time, you know, I'm not the one playing the game. The only the worst thing I could do is somehow speak something into the air and jinx the whole thing because we've had some games, some night games at South Carolina, right? Yeah, absolutely. 2016, most most notably where disaster struck, lightning striked in, in the same places uh, multiple times. And uh, they, we know, we know, we know, we know, we know at this point that it almost doesn't matter who is playing Tennessee. Tennessee is probably going to get that team's best. Yeah. But my question is, what is South Carolina's best? What What is the best that they can throw us uh, other than playing hard, playing scrappy, which I'm not convinced that they do. Right. I'm not so, either. I mean, I would give that to Mizzou more than I would South Carolina. So, I mean, what 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 are some potential yards and numbers and scores that we can put up against South Carolina, you think? 
man, I mean, seriously, I think, I think we can absolutely, and I'm, I'm also not trying to, I'm also not trying to be a blatant just douchebag about it. You know, I don't, I don't like South Carolina. I don't like their fans and their attitude on online, especially because I don't interact with them a lot. Yeah. But I mean, th- like I talked about, this bodes so poorly for them. So, I mean, to me, I'll be a little disappointed if Tennessee doesn't hit 50 for sure. I really will. And and I'm and I'm sorry to be at that place both for, for both teams because like I said, I'm not just trying to be rubbing it in their face and you know, th- this is how bad y'all are or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But we've got so much to play for. And I mean, again, you know, Hopple talked about on Monday not exactly knowing what the best thing to do was in that moment when we hit the bomb to squirrel, you know, I think we called a timeout, which that's probably because of the things that that Drinkwitz had said and yeah. and just some of that maybe chippiness and stuff like that. But yeah. if we call a timeout and run that ball in, then that tells me that we don't care about your feelings. So, mm. like I said, I'll be disappointed if we're not sitting at 50-55 on the scoreboard for us late in this game. You know what I mean? And I think with that expectation that anything is possible, you know, going over 60 again, not that that's the norm, mm-hmm. but again – terrible matchup they're not great statistically i can't tell you what their best win is because that's kind of what you were asking me i don't i don't know what their best is i mean beating kentucky without will levis uh no that ain't it um who else did they beat i just saw it a moment ago beating texas a&m everybody's done that this year Mm -hmm. then you talk about a slop a sloppy game for both teams where florida just wore them out the texas a&m win i i mean they were up 17 nothing in a blink of an eye. Sure. And they just kind of held the ground, you know what I mean, to and a bad Texas A&M team. It, it's, it's almost like they were hanging on not, not to yeah. lose against a yeah. terrible uh, A&M team. Yeah, as you said, it, it, is, is their best win – gosh. I guess it is A&M. And, I, I mean, I'm not even convinced that they went in and won that, like, like we're pointing out here. And your second best is – Got to be Kentucky. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> Vanderbilt beat Kentucky with Will Levis. That's true. That's and true. I don't know. Uh, uh, with all that said, I, I mean, Spencer Rattler is, is, is not who they thought, you know, he was going to be. And maybe that has yeah. a lot to do with uh, their offense coordinator down there in Columbia. But I mean, this dude is, is, is just shy of 2000 yards, eight scores, nine picks. This is, this is, this is like DJ Uyagale type stuff yeah. last year. I yeah. mean, it's 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 atrocious. Yeah, I mean, uh, Hinton Hooker's got three times the number of passing touchdowns as Spencer Rattler. <laughs> 24 to 8. And yeah. he's almost – he's got just at 900 more yards passing. Yeah. And think about the games that he's, you know, not finished because of Tennessee being up yeah. against UT Martin, against Missouri. I mean, think about that. Yeah, you know there was an argument that we were, I think, starting to send the text messages during the Kentucky game of is it Milton time, and in that game we just kind of salted it away. We ran more. It it felt like to me, um, you know, I don't think we brought Milton in in that game unless it was the last drive. But just thinking about all the times that he's not finished a game because of Tennessee leading, you know, just start to finish or owning the second half, mm-hmm. and and he still almost got 900 more yards than Spencer Rattler and three times the number of touchdowns. Mm-hmm. It's it's just wild to think about. So okay, so so this begs the question: Who, what is South Carolina's best unit? Yeah. What what position group are they best at? And 
I haven't seen them play a ton, fair share. Saw a lot of the A&M game. Saw um, <laughs> quite a bit of the Florida game. And <laughs> I just don't know how to answer that question because yeah. you're not very – in my mind, you're just not very good really anywhere. Right. I mean, it's not quarterback. Maybe maybe it's the backfield. I mean, you got some talent there. Yeah. Um, um, you know, you look at Marshawn Lloyd, um, who I just – I wonder where his health's at with – and and I think there's also a conversation there about utilization and the offensive coordinator and game plan because they're using Jaheim Bell to run the ball a lot as well, which is either because Marshawn Lloyd is maybe not full health mm-hmm. um, or because you can't get the ball to Jaheim Bell at, at tight end, which they've also got, also got Austin Stoner from Oklahoma. So you know that's a good unit, but they're having to use one of them to carry the ball because, again, can they not get the ball to him? Can Spencer Rattler not get the ball to him? Or is it just their, you know, their play sheet? Is it not built to do that? I don't, I don't know. So there's talent at those positions. I mean, again, Marshawn Lloyd's talented. Jaheim Bell's a great athlete. But Marshawn but, Lloyd's banged up. Yeah, exactly. It's like, where's his health at? Yeah. And, and then why are you pulling a tight end when they've got other backs and they brought in a transfer here uh, there as well? It's like, what is – how did it get to that point? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, let's talk about that for a second. So the the G, Jaheim Bell getting moved to tailback, I wonder if this is Shane Beamer being spineless because you can't tell me he's not here in the fan base going he needs touches, he needs touches, he needs touches. Yeah. And if he's in some kind of drama with Satterfield <clears throat> on, on how to make this happen, and he's just going, well, we got to get this guy touches. I mean, yeah. because the backfield. I mean. That's is that your most creative way to get an incredible pass catcher the ball? Absolutely that, not. Just so, a handoff, you know what I mean? Absolutely not. So you know, I, I, there's so I, many things you can do with a tight end. Just look at what Georgia does and tries to do with with Brock Bowers, whether it is bringing him on a you know a jet yeah, sweep situation yeah. or getting it to him around the line of scrimmage yes. or you know shooting him up the seam. I mean, there's just so many more things you can do with a tight end where you can attach him to the line of scrimmage and teams have to identify what he's going to do. And then you talk about, you know, they're not, they're not Georgia at any position, but I mean, there again, we just talked about two good tight ends. So how can you not get one of those guys creatively involved? Sure. I mean, if you're going to put him in the backfield, you're, you're telling me that the best that you can come up with is turn around and hand it off. I mean, you, you don't want to throw it to him out of the backfield. You, you don't want to <laughs> yeah. put him out on the edge and hit him with a quick screen. You don't I, – I, I mean, that's the – shoot. I mean, if you're going to do that, just you might as well just have him take some Wildcat stuff, right? Exactly. And listen to this. I, ju- I just clicked into their stats because I'm I'm now wondering. I have, I'm kind of like you. I've watched about the same games that you have with them specifically. Um, but Austin Stoner has got 18 both, – both guys have 18 receptions. Stoner's got 12 more yards. It's 202 to 190 in the yards department. Stoner has one receiving touchdown. Bell has zero. And then Bell's carried the ball 47 times for 150 yards and two scores. That's anything but dominant as far as a rushing yards per average or anything like that. That's just not great at 3.2. So the create the creativity at the very least is lacking offensively. And um, and one thing you mentioned as well about potentially being spineless or, um, you know, with, with, uh, Satterfield there. I lost his name momentarily, but that, that is uh that's Beamer's buddy. I mean, they're, they're tight. So this is one thing with hiring your buddies and, and working with your buddies, man, are you going to be able to fire that guy when the time comes 
because this just ain't it. And this will get you fired next season. Mm-hmm. And and the seat will be hot going into it. They're six and four. You know, it's not like they're Texas A&M. But again, we're sitting here trying to find what is the impressive part of the season to South Carolina. And we're talking about it being Kentucky without Will Levis. Or we're talking about it being Vanderbilt again, or a just terrible Texas A&M team. And, and not to add, you know, salt to the wound, but that Arkansas team has just not been, whether they're healthy, full health or not, they've not been who we thought they are, and they still won that game comfortably. So I'm at a loss. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to say regarding these guys because you're just not good. I will say this though, um, to sit here and say, well, Dan, Mike, you know that coaches don't listen to fan bases. You know <laughs> that 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 coaches don't listen to other coaches. He, uh Shane Beamer does because he's just he's, look at that he is constantly making remarks post game uh and uh, different interviews he's he's saying stuff that he's seeing on the internet so you just look at that goofy crap with the sunglasses after they played Kentucky you know Stoops had made comments about his sunglasses and just kind of like we talked about with it look at my shoes and this type of stuff with him and Drinkwitz he's listening and he is I think that tells me that he's not got the thickest skin um, in the world. Just doesn't bode great for what they're going to be looking at again next season. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a tweet regarding the Beamer relationship with Satterfield and 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 how the fan base should actually honor and respect Beamer for that because look at his daddy and the relationship that his daddy had with Bud Foster for all those years. Well, let me just tell you what the major difference in that is. Yeah, I, w- I wish I would have held on to that tweet. Bud Foster was good. Yeah, <laughs> I, dang good. Yeah, so, I, I, I mean, that's the stuff that got Butch Jones fired. That's it absolutely the, is. That's the stuff that 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 cost Mac Brown his job. I mean, we've seen this. You you cannot hang on to your buddy if they're not performing. So that no. that Frank Beamer Bud Foster thing that's weak. It has it has no it has no weight to it. That that is an absolute terrible argument because Bud yeah. Foster is nine times the defense coordinator that Satterfield is ever going to be on the other side of the ball. So that is just trash. And, I, and I'll say this as we move on from this from this topic here. Um, Jay, don't be surprised if Jaheim Bell is in the transfer portal. Yeah, um, that's one other thing I meant to look at just now because there's been talk about that as well. And, and listen, I actually – all this talk about how they've used him, I think he's a very talented kid. Like, yes. he has, he's done some things there. Uh, he is a junior, so I also wonder if he might just, you know, take his shots, try to impress at the combine or a pro day and go pro. Um, because really, he 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 is an impressive young man. But, yeah, I'm with you. He's either going to be in the transfer portal or he's going to try to go pro. And, you know, it's going to be – it'll probably be a tougher road. But, again, I think he's he's got pro capabilities for sure. But I agree. He's going to be out of there, no doubt, to me. It. Even if he is a junior, I mean, I, yeah, okay, yes, he is a junior. I shouldn't say if he, he is a junior, but twenty twenty was his first year, so he can he That's can take, he can take that COVID year, and he would still be left with with two more years of eligibility. He's yeah. from from Florida, and Florida's a better uh, better position uh, for him than yeah. South Carolina. Florida State is on the rise. Yeah, UCF. Is better than Miami. Uh, <laughs> if you want to yeah. go home, there's 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 reason, there's argument, because if 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 I'm Jaheim Bell, and and Shane Beamer hangs on to Satterfield, yeah, 
I'm pissed. I'm oh pissed. yeah, dude. I, I'm, I'm absolutely. I'm I mean, it's, and this, listen, as much as we clown Spencer Rattler, I would be pissed if even if I'm him, who I'm not sure. a big fan of and don't have a lot of belief in. I'm I'm pissed if I'm Spencer Rattler and I'm like I came to South Carolina and you're from Oklahoma, mind you. And, and you're going to keep this guy after what we've done this year, sure. I would absolutely be right there with him. Let's make a Tennessee comparison here. You, you had a Josh Dobbs, right, who in hindsight, once his, his career here was done, we, we discovered that this guy covered a multitude of sins. Oh, so quickly did we right? learn. We, we realized that play calling was, was, was not set up for him to succeed. He just overcame. Spencer Rattler can sling it. He can put it on a rope. He can he can make pro throws. He's he he can throw the ball. He can do it really well. But it seems like this guy needs a system in in order to help him out. And that's nothing against him because I, I mean that so many do offense coordinator relationship is really important. I mean absolutely. I, and I hate to say that. I hate to use Josh Dobbs as an example because it's I'm going to sound biased in, in doing yeah. so. But you know what? We're on an orange cast, and I don't care. Um, <laughs> But the dude covered a multitude of sins, and we're and we're seeing that Spencer Rattler is not that. He cannot do yeah. that. So yeah. with that said, if I'm Spencer Rattler, I'm going, well, shoot, you know what? <sighs> Arizona. I'm from yeah. there. Yeah. They're, do, they're doing better. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. is Caleb Williams going to be at Southern Cal next year? Hmm, could I go back to Lincoln? Could I, shoot, could I go play for Chip Kelly? I mean, yeah. I mean, the offensive minds that are in this game right now are just, I mean. They're everywhere. Everywhere. And, and we're going to find out what kind of head coach Shane Beamer is by what he does with this awful offense coordinator position. And and I'm just telling you, if I think <clears throat> if he goes into 2023 and he hangs on to him, I think you've lost that fan base. 100%. I mean, there are there are fan accounts with with Fire Satterfield in their title on Twitter. I mean, it's it's it, you know, it, this is where Tennessee's been with so many assistant coaches and head coaches and, you know, just, it's, it's so bad. You know, I, like I said, I don't have a lot of respect or definitely any love for South Carolina, but you just can't keep that guy. You can upgrade so many ways. And if, listen, here's the, here's how I would flip that Frank Beamer, Bud Foster thing. If he's your buddy, then he should probably understand at the rate it's going, because if he just takes a glance online or if he just looks in the mirror real good and you know just take a long look in the mirror it is not working and it is a cluster you know there, there's some things that that the you don't need the fan base to tell you yeah. i mean i mean even if you're not on twitter you're not you're not scrolling it's it's got to be right in front of you it, oh yeah it's, it's got to be it's got to oh be. yeah well, anyway, just because I don't think that South Carolina offers a lot of conversation, and I really hope that we don't turn around next week and start kicking ourselves going, well, yeah. crap, right? Yeah. I do think there is uh, a nightmare scenario for us in regards to this game, and it's that they, they play Beamer Bowl, which is yeah. winning winning some special teams battle. If we, if we do something like muff a punt, which we've done this year, if we get a punt blocked, which has happened this year as well. Yep. And they turn around, they get a score. If, if they're able to find points that way, I think we could get in some trouble. You keep that yeah. crowd, which is an underestimated crowd. Yes, you know, they they can get wild. I've, I've been in there. Uh, that I was in there in 2014, Tennessee, South Carolina. The stadium was not full, but I'm telling you that 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 stadium was shaking. The ground yeah. was shaking, and it could be because it's maybe it's just not foundationally well. <laughs> well, who knows? I don't know. 
Um, but that that crowd is is very capable of yeah. of, of of being ruckus. However, as far as the crowd goes, we got to keep them out of it, which yeah. I think we're capable of doing. And two, I don't think this crowd is going to impact us nearly the way that it did in Athens. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. Any other comments there on South Carolina? Anybody that uh, on their roster that 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 worries you? Because I mean, we were worried, uh, concerned. We we had the 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 difference of front for Missouri had our attention. They got a they got a pretty good back end. Yeah, uh, you know Luther Luther Burden Durden whatever his name is was, was some cause for concern going in. Anybody like that for South Carolina? You know they do have some. They've got some capable guys in that defensive line. A couple of five, former five stars on that defensive line: Zach Pickens and, of course, I'm going to blank on the other guy's name. But you know, again, I think that the key word there was former five stars, mm-hmm. and that that defense has not even lived up to the expectations that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they're a terrible unit or anything like that, but like you said earlier, they're not even Missouri. Yeah. So yeah, you know, those guys are capable, but they just don't instill a ton of fear with me with the Tennessee that we've seen for 10 games so far. Well, even Zach Pickens, he's only got a second and a half on the year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just not it. He, I'll say this. Um, he was, he was very respectful of Tennessee's tempo and stuff like that comments that I saw. So he's aware he's not giving Tennessee bulletin board material, which I respect, but mm-hmm. you know, Credit to him for that. He's a veteran. He should be doing those things, but not a ton of fear instilled because of his numbers. Yep. I think that if we if we contain Lloyd or whoever's turn around getting the handoffs, whoever it is, yep. if, that, if that is kept in check, because I think I think South Carolina's formula to win is you're going to have to go score for score, and you cannot become one dimensional. Absolutely. You're not good in the pass game, so you're going to have to be heavy reliant on your run game. So if they can find yards on the ground and they can play some special teams ball, they can make it a game. If they do not do both of those things, I don't think that they stand a chance. Completely agree. Well, hey, that's all that we've got for today on this special Orange Cast. Appreciate you guys listening in. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, Mike said if you do that, he will come mow your grass. As long as you're within a five-mile radius. There you go. There you go. Thank you so much for letting us tickle your ears, making sure you're doing the things, making sure you tell somebody right now, text them right now because this episode is ending, and tell them about Pandemonium Range. We love you guys. Hope you have a fantastic day and a fantastic college football weekend. God bless and go balls. CBO.